Good evening. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Nevin Cho. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, also a campus minister at Carnegie Mellon. Um, and I'm really excited to say that we're, we're starting a new sermon series in the evening service here uh, through Jonah. If you were at the morning service uh, today, John, John kind of teed it up right for me and uh, kind of kicked it off with, with a little bit of a teaser. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll be in this short book in the Old Testament of, of a minor prophet. And uh, it's really funny when you begin to play the word association game as we figure out some technical stuff. Uh, if you play the word association game where I say a word and, and you, you think of the first word that comes to mind. Right? So if I were to say the beach, maybe the sand or the crashing waves come to mind. If I say the 4th of July, maybe fireworks and hot dogs come to mind. If I say summer, you think of grilling and barbecue and vacation. Uh, if I say Pittsburgh, I've only been here a year, and, and what comes to mind for me is uh, bridges, hills, and, and really bad gas mileage. Um, for those who are lifelong Pittsburghers, you can come tell me afterwards what, what, come, what came to your mind. Uh, if, if, you, if you tell me life with two young, young children, I think of sleep deprivation. Uh, but really, for, for many of us, probably, uh, if we think of the word Jonah, if you think of the person Jonah, John, if I were to ask your kid, Jonah, I'm pretty sure one of the first things that comes to mind is probably a whale or a big fish, or maybe even Jonah running away. And, and while these are all true, and as we, as we really kick off this sermon series, uh, the book of Jonah is wrought with so many different elements to it. You see uh, a motif that center, centers around things being humongous, this giantesque motif, this giant motif, starting with the call of Jonah, the size of the fish, the, the scale of Nineveh's repentance. Things are, are bigger than they should be. We also run into a lot, a lot of pervasive irony. The fact that Jonah was called as a prophet versus what the reality of his actual actions were. Or the impossibility of, of fleeing from God, as John mentioned earlier in the service. And so this entire book is, is essentially a satire. It's, it's a comedic story of, of things going exactly the opposite of what you would expect them to go. And so, hopefully by the end of this sermon series, when I mention Jonah, or when somebody mentions Jonah, I, I hope and pray that we don't just think of the whale or the big fish or, or Jonah running away, but the word association that comes to mind is God's compassion. God's compassion. Through the book of Jonah, through the prophet Jonah's life, I would hope to see that we see that God's compassion knows no bounds for anyone. Uh, and We'll see that in the ways that Jonah actually prefigures Jesus. If you're with us in the morning service, there's a lot of things about Jonah's life that will foreshadow Jesus himself. Through Jesus, we see God's compassion. So hopefully through Jonah, we can see God's compassion. So as we start this series off in the first three verses, what I'll hope to be able to show us is God's compassion through uh, his call on Jonah's life, and God's compassion through Jonah's flight from that call. God's compassion from the call of Jonah, and God's compassion from Jonah's flight from that call. So we'll start, uh, I'll read this passage for us. Uh, if by the end of it you will respond to part of the people saying thanks to you. 
So from the book of Jonah, starting in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So we start off with uh, this book, this narrative, and and it kind of gives you a cue to, to who Jonah is. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And uh, the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah. And unlike most other prophetic books, where God speaks through a chosen prophet, and and the rest of that prophetic book is about what God is trying to say to Israel, uh, Jonah's book, this book, actually shows us more of a narrative about Jonah himself. It's more of a story about Jonah's life, more so than what Jonah has to say. Uh, we, we heard this morning that Jonah's actual prophecy to Nineveh was all but five Hebrew words. So it was more about Jonah's life, the way that he reacted to God. And that's very peculiar. And so we, we hear that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and this confirms that this is the same Jonah that was mentioned back in the book of 2 Kings, verses 14, or chapter 14, verse 25. And in that narrative... Jonah is known as the northern kingdom, the Israel's prophet, who spoke during the reign of Jeroboam II, who wasn't such a great king. And he prophesied, actually, to Israel's flourishing. Jonah prophesied that Israel would flourish, its boundaries within the nation would extend back to its, its, its heyday. And this is in the midst of, in spite of, Israel's sin. And in spite of Hosea and the prophet Amos' words of judgment against Israel. So we can see here that Jonah was actually a stark Jewish nationalist that favored the outcome of his country, of his own people. Forgetting being able to overlook and oversee Israel's sin, he prophesied flourishing for the country. God's compassion shows through here as well because Israel did flourish. Even with Jonah's prophecy, even with Israel's sin, not out of their good doing, but out of God's compassion. So this is who Jonah is, one who is pro-Israel all the way, regardless of of what happens and and who is there. And so what does God say to Jonah? He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So the command is to go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. And it's described as that great city, which conveys its its size, its historical significance and reputation to the nation of Assyria, one of the biggest, if not the largest empire at the time. And their evil has come up before me, before God. So God is calling him to call out a word of judgment towards Nineveh. So for all intents and purposes for Jonah... Receiving this command, Nineveh is a, is a terrorist state. It's a, it's a national threat to Israel. Uh, John, this morning, didn't want to go into the grotesque violence that Assyria was known for. And I'm just going to delve into just a little bit of it here. 
a lot of commentators and historians will, would, would say that Assyria was as gory, gory and blood-curdling as they come. When they took in their victims and prisoners, they, they flayed their skin alive. They would dismember both their legs in one arm, and they would keep the other arm just to mock them and shake their hand. They would cut off their tongues and lips. They would make joy and pride in making piles of skulls and burning children alive. A terrorist state, a national threat to Israel. We see this giant test motif happening here because of the scale of Nineveh as a city and this word of judgment that is about to come on them. One commentator equated this to a Jewish rabbi trying to go into Nazi Germany during World War II to pronounce a word of judgment against the city, the country, hoping it, it would turn, hoping it would repent. So, while, that, while there's actually no given clue or word about Jonah's rebellion or why he did, we can actually begin to see why he would rebel. Because it's very unprecedented that God would command one of his prophets to go speak a word of judgment to another country. Most of the times, the prophecies were made to Israel and Judah itself, warning them that if they continued in their ways of sin, judgment would come, and it gave them an opportunity to repent and turn back to the Lord. The usual command is to prophesy to God's own people. But for, to have this prophecy of judgment to, to be given to Nineveh, to Assyria, would actually show that God was willing to relent his anger towards somebody who wasn't Jewish. And on top of that, Jonah was sent to be the messenger. This stark Jewish nationalist was sent to go as a messenger to give hope, to give an opportunity to relent from their sin to Israel's biggest neighboring enemy. Talk about tall order. Talk about a big ask to make of Jonah. Jonah was not afraid because of Assyria or Nineveh's reputation as a violent country. But Jonah was afraid of God. He was afraid of God's compassion. He was afraid that if Nineveh did actually repent, that God would show his mercy and compassion on Assyria, which he did not want. He wanted God's wrath towards his own enemies. In many ways, Jonah was not called to administer judgment, but Jonah was called to have compassion on the Ninevites. God's judgment, God's impending judgment for Nineveh displays his inability to, to tolerate evil and his willingness to address it. This is plain old, good old-fashioned, getting what they deserve, wrath. But this is his justice. It's not compassion. And as a sidebar, God's justice will prevail, whether in this life or the next. But God's compassion comes when he's willing to give them a second chance through Jonah. His compassion is showing mercy to someone other than the Jewish people, the chosen people. And so it's no wonder that Jonah decided to flee decided to run away and, and not carry out this task, this commandment that God had given to him. So what does he do as we continue on in verse 3? It says, But Jonah rose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Just as big as his call was that he received from God is uh, Jonah's fleeing. 
the fact that he chose to run away. God told him to arise and go. And in the Jewish, these two imperatives put together connotes a, a sense of immediacy. Do it now. Don't delay. Go. And as a, a Jewish listener would be hearing these words at the time, uh, the, the author is very keen and, and, and very witty to, to say that Jonah rose, and then the very next word you would expect to hear is Jonah rose and went to Nineveh, as God commanded it. But no, Jonah rose, and where did he go? He flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I don't know if you heard it as I was trying to read it, but Tarshish is mentioned three times in three short verses. It's, it's a very uh, intentional form of repetition. And while the location is unknown, uh, its general disposition is probably somewhere in the west, west of the Mediterranean Sea. So, honestly, uh, frankly speaking, it's the exact opposite of where God told Jonah to go. Instead of going 500 miles east towards Nineveh, Jonah decides to go as far possible west across the sea that he could go. Utter disobedience and an emphatic unwillingness to serve God. It's rebellion at its finest. And Jonah's determination to rebel is seen further because Jewish people were known more as people of the land. So the fact that he would get into a boat and, and sail across the Mediterranean shows how big his rebellion and his desire to flee was, and how big his desire to not show compassion to Nineveh was. Some commentators would even say that Jonah hired the whole ship and crew, which would have cost a fortune. He sold away his entire life savings, his house, everything that he owned, so that he could flee from the Lord. We see this giant motif, but we also see the irony in that. His intent of fleeing from the Lord was, was to get away, quote, from the presence of the Lord, mentioned twice in these three verses. Jonah's purpose of going to Tarshish was to get away from the presence of the Lord. But the irony here is, can anyone really escape the presence of the Lord? As we saw in, in Psalm 139 in the call to worship and the confession to sin, God knows us, he searches us, he hems us in. But Jonah decides to try and flee. And he went down. He went down to Joppa and then he went down into the ship. Uh, this is a very uh, unique way of describing what he did because this is a, a literary euphemism to say that he went down was to say that he was going down to his death. That he was trying to run away to die. So that the word connection that we want to make is that to flee the presence of the Lord actually means to move more towards your own death. Going away from the presence of the Lord is the same phrase that was used of Cain after he murdered his brother Abel in the book of Genesis. Jonah is told to show compassion for the Ninevites is actually choosing, rather, to be an object of God's judgment. I can't believe in a God that would show mercy and compassion to a people that is so evil, to my enemies, to, to somebody who is a threat to, to my comfort, my well-being. And so I'm just going to go. I'm just going to run away. I'd rather die. So God, kill me. And we'll see these very words being spoken by Jonah himself later on in the book. And this is what Jonah is trying to do. He, doesn't, he knows that he can't get away from the presence of God. But he's telling him, I'd rather just die than do this. 
But like we said, the main theme in this book is God's compassion. God's compassion diverts his wrath towards Jonah and allows him to wrestle with him, allows him to run away. The text that we ended with today says, he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And the narrative continues on for three and a half more chapters. It doesn't end there to say, to go to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord, and then God decides to smite Jonah and kill him right on the spot. God shows compassion, even on Jonah. God is making a big ask in Jonah's life by calling him, by mandating him to show compassion on his enemies. There was a, a large period of my life, and, and even to this day, I, I consider a lot of uh, my own call into ministry as, and I equated it with the narrative of Jonah. Uh, long story short, I, I received a very charismatic, prophetic call, and having grown up Presbyterian, I, I didn't know how to discern it. I didn't know how to make sense of it all, and I was very young. Uh, and this, this pastor just kind of flat out said to me, I think you're called to be a pastor. I think the Holy Spirit is telling me that you're called to be a pastor. And as a 14-year-old kid, I said, you're crazy. And so I did what Jonah did. I ran away. I did everything that I could to not go into ministry. I attended a school to pursue business and accounting, to, to make a lucrative career, at least just make enough so that I had a stable income and, and a comfortable life to provide for a family. Uh, but little by little, uh, after a series of different events that kind of fell into a way, God showed me and helped me discern that that calling was, was legitimate and that he was calling me to something else. And even as I consider my call to Pittsburgh, even after I was in ministry and, and God gave me and my family a call to come to Pittsburgh, uh, I felt that, that tendency that Jonah had, that, that I had earlier in my life, to run away. It's, it's not to say that I consider you guys to be Ninevites. Please don't hear me wrong. Uh, but it was a very honest fear that I had. That I, I didn't want to leave the comforts of a place that I had called home for, for 12 years, of a place that I had been longer than I had been anywhere else, a place where we had grown a deep sense of community, where we were known, we were loved, we had committed to mentally to spending uh, a very long future there to raise our children there, a place where my wife had friends, where she knew people, where she had a, a safety net of, of a community uh, as she was going through raising a young toddler and was pregnant with a, with a new baby on the way. We were called to, to pursue a calling from God himself. And yet the, the temptations of, of the known, the familiar, the comfortable was in the way. But I only share that to say that much like I did, and much like many people do, again, the book of Jonah, the narrative of Jonah is not so much about the fleeing or the running away. I, I know in the moment it, it feels like that, but it's about God's compassion. Where do we see God's compassion for the Ninevites? Where do we see God's compassion for Jonah? Where do we see God's compassion for ourselves? And how do we see that as a call to show compassion unto others? As I mentioned earlier, 
the book of Jonah is also a typology, uh, a precursor. It, it helps foreshadow uh, the works and life of Jesus Christ himself. There's a lot in just these verses where we see uh, a prodigal son narrative where Ninevites are the younger prodigal son, the wayward people sinning and, and being called back to God. And Jonah is this self-righteous prophet who would rather die than to show compassion to others. He was called to pronounce a word of judgment to, to help people to repent of their sins. He was called to, to go to the Ninevites, people who weren't Jewish, the Gentiles, to receive God's mercy. Jesus was called to, to give a, a message of judgment, as we heard from our scripture reading in Matthew. Jesus was called to, to show mercy and compassion to the Gentiles. We, for historical, for cultural, for, uh, for even spiritual reasons, are Gentiles. We, we aren't nationally Jewish. We aren't uh, by lineage Jewish. But we were welcomed into the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done for us. And so in many ways, we see Jonah's life, Jonah's narrative, much like what Christ did for us. What are the realities of God's compassion in our own lives? How has God called us back to himself? Why do we sit here week after week to try to be in fellowship, to be in community with another, to make a change, to show compassion unto others? It's because of what Christ has done for us. And in what ways is he making big asks of us to show compassion unto others? What are the broken relationships that we have in our lives? Whether it be with our, our spouses, a family member, an old friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. What are the ways in which we've been shown compassion? Where we were stuck in a pattern and an addiction to sin over and over and over again and every time we committed to it, we just felt worse than we did before, but even in the pits, we felt God's compassion. I'm sure for all of us, there's one person that we can think of right now, that if you were to close your eyes and, and reflect on who that would be, to, to say that I've written this person off, this person, there is no way that this person can come to know the Lord, there's no way that this person deserves God's justice or mercy. He deserves God's justice, but not his compassion or mercy. In what ways do we, like Jonah, might think, I think I'll be the arbiter here. I think I'll make the decision here. But even in those moments, God shows us compassion. He allows us to wrestle with him. And so, personally, I'm excited to continue through with this narrative, because we'll get more of this as next week we'll see in, in, in Jonah's what happens to him on the boat as, as he's in the whale, the big fish, as we all come to know. But above all, I, I pray and I hope that we see that in Jonah's narrative that we see God's compassion and, and in our very own lives we see God's compassion. And if, and if you have a hard time seeing that, if you have a hard time trying to reflect on what that is, it's the exact purpose of being here, sitting here in church. The body of Christ, to sit under the head of Christ where others around us are building each other up. 
where we show compassion to one another, where we can point that out, point out sin in each other's life in, in love. And that if we don't know what that is for our own lives, or we see other people who are wayward or don't know what that is for them, we are to bear one another's burdens. The beauty of uh, receiving the calls into ministry and, and even this call here in Pittsburgh uh, is that I get to continue God's work in doing that. And we get to do that together as a community. We get to do that uh, as a city. And it's, I'm just re- personally really excited to, to continue on through uh, this series to see more of God's compassion through Jesus and through this congregation. Let me pray.